Hello and welcome to How To Medieval, the how-to where two guys show you how to do it between the two of them. My name is Ari. And I'm Matt. We are going to be talking today about a situation that is probably our, our listeners are aware of. However, as we were joking about before getting started, the names have been changed to protect the innocent. And so we're not <laughs> going to be outing anybody, but there's a situation that happened in the community that seems worth addressing. And it is worth addressing because this happens a lot in the reenactment community. So to fill anybody in, uh, I'm sure, like Ari said, that if you follow any of us, then you, you sort of have an idea of what's happening. But basically to fill people in here, if you didn't know what happened, is a very prominent reenactor from our medieval circle had some artwork of his that was very personal to him. He put a lot of work into it and he was very proud of it. It was copied by another medievalist artist. And it wasn't a direct copy, but it was a very, very, very similar. And it wasn't done, uh, you know, it wasn't done to steal the image or anything like that. It was... Basically, the the person who copied it really loved what this other work was and was very inspired by it and wanted to do something very similar on something of their own. So they used it as inspiration, but it was it was very close inspiration. Well, there's the phrase imitation is the finest form of flattery it, that really applies to the situation. Now, it also goes to be said at the outset here we want to acknowledge before anyone stops listening and just takes away the negative that in addition to this issue occurring it also was it occurred between two well mature adults and they came to a very civil accord with each other once it was found out that one was a, not particularly impressed by the other's actions and so they came to an adult agreement. They acted like mature adults, and I respect both of them for this. So keep that in mind as we're going through this. We're not harping or bad-mouthing either one of them. Things happened, things were resolved cordially, and that's important to remember as well, because it doesn't always go down that way. And it, it really was. So the, the artwork, the, I guess we call copied artwork, was very well done. It, it wasn't like some, and this happens a lot uh, as well, it wasn't like some overseas armor seeing a picture of a reenactor in a great kit and then remaking their armor in a uh, subpar way. Oh, terrible fashion. Goodness. And we, we'll, we'll name drop that one all day long. We all know of Capwell's Black Harness being reproduced by Nautica Mart to the most insultingly poor of standards. This is not that situation. However, they both follow the same theme that we're talking about in this, in this episode, which is at what point is being a copycat really not going to help you as a reenactor? However, this, you're right. The, the imitation was made to an incredibly high standard, which is something to be said for. And the person who did it again, like I said, when, because I do, I do know, I do know him. I'm, I'm, um, friends with him and we, we talk so i'm i'm defending him a little bit but 
he really did it because he was inspired and he just wanted to use it as an inspiration. Uh, it was a mistake. It was an honest mistake that wasn't, it just wasn't very well thought out in the process of doing it. And he admits that. And he has, has apologized. And like, like Ari said, they've come to an, uh, some sort of amicable agreement. I don't know what the agreement is. I'm not privy to that. I don't need to know. But they've come to an agreement. So anyway, what we're going to talk about today now is copying other reenactors. Because the, the, we've all done this to some extent. E even I've done it to some extent. I, I, I inadvertently, when we talk about this Calais hood project that you've heard me talk about on here before i really wanted to get it done and i only had a certain colors of thread available to me at home so i used the red and blue that you see that on the hood well um johan call who is uh, another great reenactor he does the exploring the medieval hunt and exploring the medieval farm. He had done a version of this hood as well. And that's originally where I saw it. And I inadvertently copied the colors he used. I hadn't meant to when I began working on it uh, because the, uh, I wanted to try doing it in my own colors, but it, it didn't look right. And it, 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 the yellow I was using didn't show up well on the leather. So I switched to red and blue, which are the colors he used. And you know, I reached out to him and I was like, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do that. And I'm like, I can change the colors if you really want me to. And he's like, no, whatever. <laughs> so he, he's pretty, but we all, we all do this to some extent. I'm in my defense for when I did it, other than just what I just said, I saw the picture and said, wow, I really want to know more about this. So I started a huge deep dive into researching this hood. And that's the way to go about it. If you want to, if you see a reenactor doing, do something that you really like and you'd like to have something similar, don't just copy what the reenactor's doing. Use it as that jumping off point to do your own research into it. Even reach. Sure. And keep, keep in mind that once you start jumping off and doing your own research, at some point we, you know, it's, we talk about don't copy. I mean, at some point we do endorse copying. If you, acknowledge the context of you want to remake a suit of of armor if you faithfully re replicate a an effigy well you have copied the personal expression of that particular knight however you have also come as close to authentically representing something that w happened in real life in the past as part of your harness so keep in mind that we do fall into this habit wherein a faithful copy of some extant object is a, it's actually a standard. It's a, a standard that you could adhere to, to help bolster your authenticity. The problem that comes in is when we kind of cross our wires and we start to use reenactors as our sources, and then we start to copy those reenactors. And what we miss out on, and the big jump here is, and what made some of these situations feel really like personally frustrating for those involved is that when we copy an extant example, we're just reproducing something in history in its context. Whereas if a reenactor does a lot of research and we just up and blindly reproduce that, we do so completely ignorant of what decisions they made to make those particular choices. 
which can have a huge bearing on why those elements happen to be in whatever they've reproduced. And the other danger of copying the reenactor is we, we never fully know just how much research the reenactor has put into their impression. They could be copying someone else. And then you get that sort of Xerox effect where it's just a faded copy of a copy of a copy. And if you track it down to the, you know, the original, what people are out there wearing or using could look completely different than the original because it's lost that it's fidelity. What some guy made up one. Exactly. Time, and then everyone thought was cool. And that's how we developed, we've talked about this in the past, how reenactorism sort of self-breed as a fad. And then we all take for granted something that we assume is historically accurate, but no one's ever actually bothered to check, to check their sources because they all assume that the guy ahead of them did so. It's like I talked before about the, um, the fancy embroidery done on all the, on all the brims of the bicockets that you see in a lot of these pictures. Um, people are wearing gorgeous, you know, historically accurate clothing and they have these hats on and they're, they're gorgeous, but they're, they're not rooted in anything other than somebody did it once. It looked nice. People said, I really like the way that looks and they started doing it. So it's, it's interesting because I was talking to our friend Mike Baker. I know, I know we mentioned his name a, a lot on this, but we, um, about reenactors and something he told me something that stuck with me, which is basically I mean, a reenactor is literally just a person in weird clothes. Well, yeah, we're all just dorks playing dress up. Like at some point, we have to admit, like when we get back to the brass tacks of getting all hot under the collar about things. We're just a bunch of dorks with funny clothes. We have to keep that in mind. Uh, and it also goes further into the idea, though, that there's no, there's no vetting process to be a reenactor. There's no training to be a reenactor. We're all of this at different levels. And, you know, you could copy a reenactor that really just likes the way the clothing looks and has absolutely no idea about any of it. I mean, that's, that's rare. Usually reenactors have some idea of what's going on although, although i mean a, a lot are more steeped in that sort of military reenactor where they may know the all the details about a battle or something like that but they couldn't tell you if the style of shoes they're wearing is is actually right to the date they're portraying because they just they just don't know it's not their thing yeah, because you don't know whether or not they are a, like you said, really interested in the armor and they're phoning in the soft kit because they have to wear something when they're not wearing armor. Or vice versa, you got, you know, and you see this a lot more in things like Battles of the Nations, and again, not to rag on them, but you see this a lot more in things like Battle of the Nations or the SCA where you have people who phone in the hard kit because they're just trying to achieve safety standards and they may have glorious soft kit, but they just don't prioritize some of their improvements impressions as they do others or you come across a a photo online and if you don't have the context for it you might be you might be looking at a really prestigious larper who has no interest in adhering to history except as a inspiration for fantasy and so not knowing you know, again not checking your sources not knowing where these decisions came from can can cause a lot of problems so that's why Ari and I are always trying to tell you tell you folks to really make sure whoever you're working with and, and if you if you want to copy or using somebody as a guidelines 
to to try to make sure that they have some idea of what they're what they're doing and and, and that can that can be hard but just sitting down and and going through you know Pinterest which I hate don't even get me started on Pinterest I hate Pinterest <laughs> I just resent the Pinterest makes you download the app to look at anything on Pinterest like even Facebook as as draconian and <laughs> wanting to consolidate your entire life underneath the great lizard man is <laughs> you can at least like open up a Facebook post in a browser, but Pinterest, you have, if you don't download the app, then Pinterest doesn't love you. And it just, at least on a phone, I know on a computer you can go online, but I, my phone refuses to open up Pinterest links unless I use the app. And I don't like the Pinterest app for no particular reason, I suppose. Because everything has an app. Yeah. So something about Pinterest bothers me because everything else will load in the browser if I ask it to, and Pinterest won't. Huh. I resent that. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I understand what you're saying. Yes. It's, it's, it's that, why can't I just use what I already have? <laughs> let, let me, let me, let right. me view the pretty pictures. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, like Pinterest is actually a great, is a, is a great, um, Example of this because when you go through Pinterest, half the time you see a picture, the you know the source of it isn't cited. There's no reference material as to what you're looking at, or if it is cited, it's it can be wrong, just because they and I've come across those where I've been looking at something and I'm just like that is that is wrong. That is not where that object comes from that or that you know manuscript image is not from that manuscript this item is, is wrong citing is wrong so i mean that comes with experience of just knowing being able to look through it and sort of know what you're looking at but yeah pinterest it's like great it's a giant scrapbook yeah. it's not meant to be a valid source of documented information unless you go to tom billiter's board you know that his stuff is or yeah. sensible you go to mcpherson's board, yeah. board but you just go to Pinterest in general. It's just whatever anyone bothers to say. Oh, I liked that. And just like poke the dopamine <laughs> feed hole. Poke and so it don't, you don't, don't push any deeper than that in, in Pinterest. So back to the, back to the copying things though. I mean, yes. it's, if you really, really want to use someone else's stuff for inspiration and for close inspiration, what saved this whole situation from going downhill fast was the two people involved talked to each other. They had a conversation. You know, the one person whose artwork was, was copied got to voice his feelings about it and why it, why it you know, bothered him that it was done. And the person who copied the artwork got to talk about why, you know, what they were trying to achieve from it as well so if you want to use somebody like that as inspiration reach out if you can reach out and talk to them make sure it's okay well, i think something interesting to, to talk about here also is that so part of it was historical inspiration but part of what happened was that there was personal expression and like actual artistic work that the person had done themselves that had gotten cribbed effectively and that was a lot of where the frustration came in in that it wasn't i made a great recreation of a specific historical object and then somebody else 
used my interpretation of that object, that, that's one thing. And it's another thing to say, this is my art, and someone has taken my art, and art is an expression of your inside. Like, people are able to express their their character and, and who they are through art. And also, when we talk about heraldry in medieval contexts and things, you know, at some point, what you make artistically represents who you are. And we know each other, not always through our faces, especially online, but we know each other through our iconography. And that can be frustrating as well when you have what def can be associated with you visually being replicated by somebody who's not you. And then the kind of taking, it's not really identity theft, I suppose, but it can definitely feel like someone's taking a part of you and using it without consulting you, which you know, can be feel crummy. Actually, you know, I, it almost is a form of identity theft, especially when dealing things like like heraldry. I mean, because no, yeah. they are mm -hmm. they are designed to ident as your identifiers. So it's yeah, it's it's a it's a tough situation to get into. Well, fun fun side note though, identity theft in heraldry is a documented occurrence oh, yeah. that has risen to the point where kings have had to weigh in on whether or not changing this one part of a set of arms truly did separate it enough for it to be considered unique or not. And there, I mean, it's effectively like suing over copyright or, you know, pursuing, like you said, genuinely pursuing identity theft. And that this, this is making you clearly look like me. And it's important that I look like me and that you look like you. And we need to resolve. In the SCA, when you want to register your, your arms, your heraldry, with the College of Heralds, they want you to have three points of difference from the closest matching heraldry. Or get written permission to conflict with the person who has the other heraldry. So, and, and people may be like, well, that makes it so hard. It's like, well, I mean, there are literally thousands of registered SCA arms. So it's not it's not that it's not that hard to do. And the differences can be, you know, color and charges and things like that. So because they don't they don't want you to be mistaken for the other person. And and that was a thing that happened it happened all the time. Really, people were mistaken for for people in medieval times based on their heraldry because they were so close. So, I so there's something to be said about it being historically accurate, <laughs> but but it's still nice to have that sort of built-in safety for this is mine. Nobody can come, um, you know, make anything similar to it unless I give them my express permission. And that's what I'm getting to about a lot of this is just talking, talking to people, talking with the community, talking with your group. If you you know see something that you really like and you want to try to emulate one, make sure that, you know, make sure it's okay to do, make sure that it's something that fits in with the group make sure the group's okay with it. Make sure that the person that you want to use as inspiration is okay with it. Cause some people and some reenactors, they go out there and they, they're just doing their thing and they get their pictures taken by somebody and gets put up online. And suddenly they're plastered all around the world and, and people are using them for inspiration and they may not actually want to be used as inspiration. They just want to do their thing. So it's, we become so comfortable 
in this digital age of Facebook and Instagram that, you know, we sort of feel that when we post a picture of something online, it becomes like public property or something. It's like, you know, anybody can take it and use it for what they want. And that's not necessarily true. There, there's, I mean, there's debates. We've all seen that meme on Facebook of like, you know, people copy that copy pasta of the, uh, you know, this is my, I do not give Facebook my, any permission to use my likeness or my images and anything like that. And it's like, well, that's really not going to work because Facebook does have permission because you, you clicked the, I agree to terms and services to use Facebook. Most of the time, they don't use your own photos. I guess I feel kind of bad. And why aren't any of you copying me and my stuff? Is am I that wow. am I that bad? <laughs> Nobody steals my pictures. Come on, I'm cool too. Steal my stuff? No, no. That no. you know about. That's true. So here's the thing: it's just it's all about strata. It's the who the people who steal your stuff have not risen to the point where they can. You have found. Them. I, I guess so. It's um. You, you never know. There might be some. There's probably some kid at a main elementary school that's got you know your arms like doodled all over their composition <laughs> notebook. You've, you've probably got somebody in, uh, you know, East Europe. It's like, I am the carrot of fear. I, I hope so. I want, I want the, uh, what is it? What did I, I came up with a funny, funny one once for, uh, the, uh, uh parsnip of, parsnip of horror the word that was, yeah, it was the, yeah, the, the, parsnip of petrification or something <laughs> something spooky and terrifying but it alliterated with p and i'm i'm blanking right now but yeah no hey that's and that goes back to like at some point if i inspire somebody to do something like i mean if if seeing something i do gets you off the couch and and out there doing medieval stuff that's great but i can also definitely say that there's a difference between doing that and you know masquerading as myself because you know, I do, there's something to say, be said about the fact that, yeah, you might give Facebook itself permission to use or own your content or have uh, at least some sort of right to use your content, even if they don't full, wholesale own it by the terms and conditions. That doesn't give every user of Facebook carte blanche authority to just use what you put on it for your own. And it just, you know, there's a joke that says once it's on the internet, it belongs to the internet. Like, I I get that. Once you put something out in the digital space, there's, you really can't control how it gets used after you use it your way. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's right to use it however you want. Or at least it doesn't make it right to use it as your stuff. And that's sort of the, the plagiarism part of it. Is to When you pass it off as your own, that crosses a different line than just, hey, I may not have credited the source, but at least I'm using this particular image to represent something that isn't my own work. And so even if you don't know whose work that is, you're not saying it's yours. And there's a huge gulf between even uncredited attribute or unattributed uh, non-credit and just appropriating that as your own content. So I would suggest to anybody that starts wanting to have more of an online presence, specifically you know, when you start posting pictures, specifically say, uh, you know, I am, you know, please don't copy me. I am not, I'm not comfortable with people copying what I do. I mean, that might, it probably won't stop everyone, but the, but the, 
the good people who you know actually read that and listen to it it'll stop them it won't stop i mean we all have seen you know ebay photos where you can clearly see the watermark of like of yeah. historic enterprises or something on the photo and nautical mart or something's like yes this is completely our product not taken from someone else's no we made this and it's like but that's a watermarked photo yeah and that's that's uh at some point they start to rely entirely on caveat emptor they're like look in the end, when you get down to the complaints department, you saw we put watermarked photos up. What really did you expect from us, yeah, guy? Come exactly. on. <laughs> but that's not, you're right, but that's not how the honorable amongst us operate. So at least you can insulate, at, at some point, how do you insulate yourself from online theft and, and, and intellectual property crimes is, is bordering on one of us should be an attorney and neither of us are. Yeah. Conversation. Yes, uh, uh, I can tell you a lot on how to respond to identity theft, um, but I can't necessarily, I don't know how much I can really say with any great authority you can like, what verbiage is best to stop that. I'm not, just not certain I know what is the, and if I told you what to do and it didn't work, like, then you, you could still. Yeah, no, no. we are, uh, we, we are not licensed attorneys every anything we say no. here is strictly opinion and should not be used as legal counsel or advice if you seek legal counsel and advice please talk to a lawyer not to us correct and even that legal disclaimer was not written by an attorney yeah was that was not written by an attorney <laughs> there are no attorneys yeah. here yeah so but no i i get what you're saying there it definitely well at there's something to be said for only share the things, you know, that sort of general internet usage Just only don't share anything that you didn't want reshared. Yeah. Like never, never text something that you wouldn't say out loud or let your significant other read the, because the best saying everything can be screenshotted. Yeah, the best saying I ever saw was about posting things on the internet is never post anything on the internet. You wouldn't put on a billboard in front of your grandmother's house. That's intense. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like, but I mean, really, I mean, not to be sort of a smart ass about it, but the safest way to stop from being copied is don't post anything online. That's, that's right. really, really, but we like to show off to each other. We, I mean, so it's one of those, I mean, we can insulate ourselves as best as we can, but it's, it's never fully going to stop somebody if they really, really want to copy you. It's not going to stop them. Well, it's that golden rule effect in that if you wouldn't want some, if you made something pretty and you wouldn't be happy with someone lifting it and then changing one thing and calling it theirs, then that's not something you should do to somebody else. Not, and not saying that it, again, in this situation that was done intentionally, it was clearly, you know, again, we, we want to, I want to continue to stress that these, this was resolved to, to what appears to be both parties mutual intent and so there was no malicious intent here but if at some point we just need to remember that there's people on the other side of the usernames and as you were saying the, the anonymity online can sometimes get to the best of us and we sort of forget especially when we talk about brands or uh, larger personalities who once you start to border on that semi-celebrity status 
just easy to forget that they're people. And so you have to remember that we're we're dealing with other human beings, and you know, other human beings have thoughts and feelings and can be harmed by the things we do. And I really think that 99% of things being copied that we see aren't done maliciously. They're done because somebody says, oh man, that looks so cool. I want to be just like them. So they, they copy it. And like you said, they forget that these are people, their personal choices put into their kit, their heraldry, things like that. And it, it may be very closely personal for things like the heraldry. Um, you know, there may be elements that are supposed to represent something very close to that person. So it, it, yeah, like you said, remember that, 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 that they're people. They're not just items themselves out in the middle of the field getting their picture taken. They are people who do this for, you know, for a love and a passion for the reenacting. Um, it's, I do know uh, someone, um, uh, going back to Johan Call, he, he told me that some company took a picture of him in his reenactment gear and actually made tin soldiers of him to sell without telling him. That's... Oh, see, he deserves royalty for that. That's, at some exactly. point, if you're making money off of my life, and this is a completely different yeah, scenario, like we've just jumped to to a whole new brand, a whole new lens on this topic. And I mean, it's good that we point that out, but as soon as there's money is involved, uh, and again, this is why, you know, like, like money changes everything. The moment money's involved, like you absolutely cannot go and take somebody else's anything and start to profit on it. Because once you do that, that's, you owe them, you genuinely owe them, not like you owe them a, a, an apology and, and maybe change what you did. You physically owe them a restitution for the fact that you made money that you could not have made without their involvement, without compensating them for that. That's unacceptable uh, whatsoever. I'm sorry, Ari. I owe you like $5,000. I've been selling turnips on a roadside stand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I see, I, I, you don't have to worry about that because I, I've done all of my great expenses and turnip futures. Oh, okay. Not in the physical objects themselves. So I'm helping you. I'm helping you just by driving up the prices of turnips. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's the, we got to add some levity to this folks or else we'll just be, don't copy people. Um, but no, really don't copy people. It's, it does get to the point of, and I, even though I hate the saying, do your own research. (laughs) Um, with all of the context we have provided in other episodes linked in the show notes below, do your research. Exactly. Because like it's just it's just a bad it's just a bad practice. It is just a bad practice of copying other people and assuming that they have done their their research. Now I'm that that of course is if you're going or, or assuming their research applies to you in your and that too. That of course is assuming you know that you're do you're actually going into the goal of being historically accurate. I'm. I'm sure there are plenty of LARPers out there who have seen pictures of, you know, Toby Capwell or something and said, basically painted their armor black because of his, of his harm, of his our harness and, and gone out into the field and thought it was great. But that's still a difference. There's still just big, big differences between 
really, you know, copying elements of someone's kit that are, are personal to them. And just, just don't do that. Look at the original. Follow their track. I mean, uh, the, the person who the person who originally had their design copied put a lot of research into it and actually showed the steps of the research and supplied images to the original items that he took the elements from for his own project. So there's, I mean, you can already just go back to the original items and see what choices he made for this project. And you could emulate it with your own choices by just by looking at the original and going through the same steps. So it's not like he just had this object, put it out there and said, hey, I, you know, I, I had this made. It's, it's, it's so wonderful. You know, look at it. And then somebody copied it. He, he literally laid out every single step of the research he did going through it that could have been looked at and used as your own research. So in this particular case, he had the, the points that you could look at yourself and make your own choices to come up with something inspired by, but still different enough. Mm -hmm. no, you, have, you have a good point there. I don't have anything to add to that one. And But you don't always get the situation where and the other person is giving you all those steps. So sometimes you just, all you have is the end product and you, you have this end product because you saw a cool picture on Instagram of somebody, like you said, in a field, in a group as part of, and you don't know who they are. Say someone takes a picture, and you, they're a civilian who takes a picture while they're visiting a living history event in Moscow. And there you just, you just happens to catch this picture of this guy in the top left corner of the image and he's got a really cool hat on and you're like wow i love that hat can you ever realistically find the random reenactor with the funny hat at a in moscow yeah who may or may not have been visiting from the ukraine for the event and you know the 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 reasonable steps it would take you to get to that person to find why they'd made those choices those don't exist. So you have you have two options. Obviously, you have you can either just make that hat and hope for the best, or you use that hat as a as a goal for research, and then maybe you understand what that hat means, and you make the same decisions they make for your own personal reasons, or you make something inspired by but different. You can't you can't decide at the end and be able to say, well, I did come to these conclusions because I like these elements because of this research. If you don't you know, do that, you don't take the time to do those things. That's, that is one of those big differences between, you know, because even if you don't have a well laid out list and template of, of how they got there. I think something that would help a lot too is when we get to a certain level within this, uh, our online community of being very popular and then quasi famous or, or even famous within the group. We need to make sure that we're open to being approached and we make it ourselves easily approached and we actually respond to being reproached. I mean, so, so I'm working on a project right now where I've actually been contact, trying to contact a lot of cosplayers 
And there's been some really, you know, very big cosplayers I'm trying to get in touch with. And they won't even give me the time of day. They won't even, they won't even respond to anything I've been saying to them. And it's like, shame. it is a shame. It's shame, shame, shame. But it, it is, it's like, you know, I understand they probably get thousands of fan stuff every day. So it can be a slog to try to go through it. But you should be able to weed out what is fan stuff and what isn't. So I also think that I and maybe I I'm sort of completely speculating here, but I suspect your average cosplayer, the percentage of cool historical guys trying to do neat convention <laughs> things is less than 1% of what they get. Probably. And so to you know, I don't know. I at some point they may just not have the bandwidth to to find that diamond in the rough to 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 rescind my original shame and think about it for <laughs> half a second longer, and, and it sucks that you can't get a hold of these people sometimes. And, I, and I've had similar problems trying to get uh, in touch with people because I have some interest for a video or an article or a question that is posed to me but is better answered by someone more prominent in the community. Sometimes they're very hard to get a hold of. A lot of people don't put their personal contact information online. For that very reason, they don't want random people to come and ask them questions because probably the majority of the questions they get asked are <laughs> are not ones worth answering. But that's a completely different side of the internet that is outside the scope. Yeah, and I do, I do get that. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is if we're going to be at the top of our games out there putting up stuff, and we know that there's a danger of someone copying what we do, we need to be able to make ourselves approachable and available to speak with so people will come and talk to us and ask us questions instead of just doing it. Uh, and I'm not... Yeah, I guess that's... There's a weird a weird middle ground, I guess, between being small enough that you you have the time of day to read and respond to things and being big enough to, like, have an agent. Yeah. Because, I mean, I guess, like, if I had a question about The Last Duel, like, to give Adam Driver an email and like hope like to just have his email like you can't like come on like he's just there's no way he could physically have enough hours in the day to respond to the amount of correspondence he would receive if he had a public email so he has an agent and you know if you have a legitimate business thing you know, going through the business networks is how you get a hold of these people but there is a middle ground i suspect between having people to do that manage your public outreach because you have developed large enough reserves and to do that versus versus being just someone who has a passion and it got popular i actually have henry calville's email no i'm not i'm not gonna give it out but yeah i i yeah i do <laughs> that's cool oh that's right because weren't you talking with him a bit about maybe doing something for art of the yeah Sword? i was uh, um and he just right. he was it was very nice he just couldn't couldn't make it work uh, because of other commitments, but he's a busy dude. He's a busy dude, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna reveal the evil spell. Evil right. spell I had to cast and demon I had to summon to get that email. But <laughs> asterisk not in the show. Notes. Not in the show notes. <laughs> no. <laughs> I do not want Henry right. Cavill coming to my house and <laughs> giving 
me a beat down. I don't know. He's stacked. I really yes. wouldn't want him coming to my house either. That would be a fight. Uh, <laughs> Unless I could get him an armor and sword fight. There we go. That'd be fun. There we go. Ooh, yeah. Henry, if go. you're listening. I Ideas. I'd put him in armor if I could find it. If I could find enough for him. Yours, you're pretty big. Yours might fit. I think, he, I think he could fit some of my stuff. Yeah. So anyway, what we were saying before is don't copy people. Talk to them. Copy the originals. If you, if you have to copy something, copy the originals. Because if because that's really the best. That's the how, that's how you get the highest fidelity items. Anyways, is going right to the source of the originals. Don't fall into the trap of the degraded copier image. Out of out of. And tone. if at some point I, it it stands to say that if you can't tell whether or not something is an original image or someone's personal interpretation of that original artwork then you have just acknowledged that you have grounds for a little more research. And I know, it's, it's hard. It's, it's like, like, I don't have time. It's very introspective. I don't have time. I just want to do it and get it done. I understand that. But you, you, you got to do some form of research, either into the, into the object itself or research of speaking to the person who owns the item you want to, to copy to make sure it's okay. And I think it's all, I think it's all we have to say about that one. I think we've hit, I'm good about that too. I feel like we've had a really good, respectful, at least the intent is, especially those, those unnamed who are listening, who ha, are the subject of the conversation. I hope that we've, we've treated you guys with respect. That has been our goal here. And that the listeners, please, in response to this episode, keep in mind that these people made mistakes, were human, and we're big enough to talk about it. So Cut them some slack. Be respectful as well. Don't give them. Don't give them any grift for it. Exactly. So, I, I guess all, all right. there we go. All there's left to say is, uh, if you hate Pinterest as much as we do, <laughs> yeah, give us five stars because then we can do nothing about it. But we will feel better about ourselves, and more people can find us without having to go to Pinterest. Yeah, please don't post us on Pinterest without linking to the show. Pinterest boycott. That's true. Even with the link of the show, no Pinterest. Pinterest free zone. Wow, you really hate Pinterest. I can't stand it. <laughs> I just see you wanting to look at a picture and staring, shouting at your phone. Just let me open it on the browser. Yeah, what you do is you go into Google Photos and then you like try and right click open original image. See if you can find it without having to like you jump over Pinterest. But then even if they you manage to do that. If there is proper source source data inside the post, you miss it. So it's very. I hate the. I I can actually I actually have a, a filter where I can filter out Pinterest images when I look through Google. I I, I hate those those cir circular circular Pinterest holes where basically you find an image and it just like rabbit holes linking back to different Pinterest boards and you can never find where the image was originally come from. Yes. It's all, it's all Pinterest's fault. So, while we hate Pinterest, one person we do love is Paul Butler. That's true, and it's not because of pin, uh, images at all. It's because he allows us to use some of his music for our intro. So, thank you very much to Paul Butler's Medieval Music. His the link to his stuff is down in the description below. So, well, I think uh, 
think we're all we're all done for today. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks, folks. Bye.